1: Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Welcome to Literary
0: Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quaibel. Today we're talking with Yang Shi Chu. Yang Shi is the New York Times best selling author of The Ghost Bride. Not only was the Ghost Bride her debut novel, but also won multiple awards, including Oprah's Book of the Week. Yang Shi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Yangshi, this book was one of my all-time favorites, I think, because it was just so mystical and magical, and there was just all these historical references and beautiful detail. How long did it take you to write The Ghost Bride?
2: Well, I have to confess that I am a rather slow writer. So it took me about three years, and of which one year was an absolutely fallow year in which I um, ran out of ideas and had to abandon the book for a while. But it counted, so I'd say about three years. Wow. So,
0: you know, in the book, you kind of you write about the traditions around death in Malaysia in the colonial 1890s. And there's like the intricate paper houses people make and animals, as well as burning of the death notes so that the dead had currency, homes and pets in their afterlife. Are these practices something you have taken part in or just culled from research for your novel?
2: Oh, well, actually, if you go to Malaysia and Singapore and a, a lot of overseas, where overseas Chinese are, including Taiwan, Hong Kong, you will see this practice um, all the time. Like there's specific, specific times of the year, such as the Hungry Ghost Month, in which they'll start burning these things. So when I was a child growing up, uh, my grandmother would do this, and mm. she would go out and buy, and you can actually probably do this at any Chinese grocery, even in North America. You can buy these Stacks of banknotes, which actually say hell banknotes on them, and they're sort of like the thousands of dollars. And actually, when I was a child, I thought, oh, my goodness, there must be inflation in the ghost world because some of them are like $1 million, <laughs> and you're supposed to burn this for your ancestors and also to appease the hungry ghost, which is those people who died with no family. Oh, this wow. is part of um, you know the Chinese tradition of ancestor worship, so it's very common. And if you go at the right time, um, you will see it. Sometimes very large and grand affairs, especially when the community burns something. I was in Singapore not too long ago, and they were um, around at that time of the Hungry Ghost Festival. And some of the community centres had raised money so they could burn these, for example, giant hotels. Wow, Um, which are structures made out of bamboo because the whole thing has to burn. Reeds, actually, not bamboo, covered with paper. They're very elaborate and um, brightly colored. They look like folk art and at the same time really spooky. So growing up as a child, you're attracted to them because they look like dollhouses. They're miniatures. Um, But at the same time, it's absolutely taboo. You can't play with with the paper houses (laughs) for the dead. So um, I saw a lot of that growing up. And my grandmother did that. And I remember as a child helping her to fold things that you can buy special gold and silver paper, which she would Mm -hmm. fold into these ingots, which is, you know, sort of like origami for the dead. And then you'll see things like little furniture sets, clogs, clothes, paper chickens, you know, paper iPhones. I I just think that's so neat. <laughs> and it, I love it
0: because yeah, I mean it's it's really this celebration of death that death is only just the beginning, and we have this beautiful ceremony to kind of continue honoring the people that we love that are on the other side, and I just thought throughout the whole book it was just this beautiful tradition and and leaving food out for them and and just I just loved it, I thought it was fantastic, so um. I mean three we- three years of writing that's a lot of work once you had finished it did you hire an editor or did you just polish the work on your own before you submitted to agents
2: um no i i I did not know about things like hiring an editor. I have to say, I was very ignorant of and i i so I just finished it myself, and I think most of the time um you may or may not feel that you you need an editor mm-hmm. um, so I actually was did not know very much about the whole publishing thing. And, you know, when people ask me, like, how did you get published? Uh, The answer is through Google. I Googled how to publish your book. (laughs) Um, And I was also lucky enough to have a friend who was a little further ahead in the process. And Mm -hmm. she was the one who told me things like, why don't you look at this website? I think there's a couple of good websites where you can research agents that you like. One of them is, I think, agentquery.com. There's another one, um, Query Tracker. And you can look them up and find out who's interested in your genre. And so that's what I did. I just looked up a few agents. I looked up some agents who I thought um, had published books which were in my genre, and then I wrote a one-page query letter, and that's why I did (laughs) this. And then I sort of cold-submitted it to people.
0: And how many agents did you end up querying? I think about 30. Wow. About 30 agents. And, And then how many out of the 30 showed
2: interest? um actually quite a number of them you know they'll they'll get back to you and they'll say things like could i have 10 pages and i think nowadays a lot of people will say send me your whole manuscript because it's all digital it's easy so the response rate was about half of them and in the wow. end i think i i had about six offers from agents which i'm very grateful for yeah. And
0: so for people that are listening that haven't heard of querying before, maybe you could help explain what the querying process is, like what what is a query and why do we do it?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you see, I, um, a query turns out to be sort of this one-page letter, and you can find out more about them on these um, online forums. I'll give you examples. And you basically tell them, you know, hello, so-and-so, um, here's my book, blah, 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 um, would you be interested in it? And, you know, um, a lot of people think that getting published is all about connections and um, it may possibly be, but I would also like to encourage people who are writing that you don't need any connections. Lots and lots of us come out of the slush pile that was me. And this sort of sounds like a, a horror movie. It came from the slush pile, but <laughs> it happens all the time and I know lots of authors who also came from the slush pile. The slush pile means that these basically unsolicited manuscripts or called queries that you send out to agents. So if you if you've written something that you think is interesting, um just send it out and of course I think they ask you to polish your letter. They want a one page letter so they can because a lot of agents are dealing with many, many query letters you know, mm-hmm. in a week. I think someone oh. told me about two hundred or something a week. Wow! So you want to That's make a lot. <laughs> I know it's a lot. I was like, oh my goodness! And I'm sure some of the more famous agents will have even more. Um, yes. So it depends. Excellent. Well, everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking
0: with Crystal Lee Kleibel, and today we're talking with author Yang Shi Chu about her New York Times bestselling novel, The Ghost Bride. When we come back from the break, we'll discuss more about her writing practice and how her debut, debut novel became a New York Times bestseller. We'll be right back.
1: Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's Crystal Lee Quibel, Quibell, dot L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today.
0: Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Chris Lee Quibel. We're continuing our conversation today with New York Times bestselling author, Yang Shi Chu, about her novel, The Ghost Bride. Yang Shi, once you had written and, and you had queried and you cho- had chosen your agent, which was Jenny Bent of the be- Jenny Bent Agency, how long did it take for the book to be sold to a publisher?
2: Hmm, you know, so that's an interesting question because I've heard it can take – Um, different amounts of time. I know people Mm -hmm. who, and it depends on how ready your book is for publication. So I've heard about people whose books were just, you know, great. They were absolutely ready to go. And, you know, the agent submitted them within like a month or so. Um, And it also depends on how editorial your agent is. Some agents work with you on the manuscript more or less, depending on Mm -hmm. their working style. Um, I was very lucky with Jenny I, I I still am very grateful to her, and I feel that all the good things that happened with this book are due to her, not me, <laughs> um, but she was she's a lovely person, and she's very editorial. So I had this giant, big, you know, whomping book, and um, I'd already sort of hacked it down so it would be a bit shorter. Uh, by the way, this is something, if you're writing a book, you ought to look up the guidelines for the word count, which mm-hmm. I didn't do until right before I submitted, but then I realized <laughs> I'm sort of way, way over. So word count does matter, especially for a debut novel. Um, and we worked on it for, I think, about another six months or so, because I, I didn't really have an ending. I had to sort of rewrite it. And that amount of time is mostly due to me, because, as I said, I I write rather slowly. Um, and so Jenny did the rewrite process with me. And then she said, oh, I think we're about ready. And um I think she'd done something really great, which is she'd talked to various editors beforehand and said, Look, I've got a book. It's about Southeast Asia, blah, blah, blah. Is this something you'd be interested in? And so when she was ready, the book was ready to be submitted. She already had a short list of some editors that she thought would be interested. And then she submitted it to them. And, um, you know, as I said, she's wonderful. And within two weeks, she'd sold it at auction. Um, for which, you know, i really very appreciative yes. of. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yes. So really, so I
0: mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot of work that went into this. I mean, you did three years of writing on your own, and then another six months after you had submitted and chosen your agent, your agent had chosen you, and then it sold within two weeks. So the hard work
2: does pay off. Um May we Possibly, yes. Um, I would also say that there's people who write faster. You know, people mm-hmm. can write faster, can get a book out a year or so. Um, I'm just laughing because I am such a slow writer. And before this book, I'd actually spent eight years on a horrible book,
1: really long <laughs> book about this
2: elephant <laughs> detective, which the ghost bride came out of. So um, the reason I'm laughing is it actually took much longer for me. But it all depends on your book, your genre, you know, what's... Mm-hmm. You know who picks it up? Stuff like that. It's a yeah. very variable industry.
0: You know, it, it. Your book ended up becoming a New York Times bestseller. Do you? You know, was there any one factor that you think helped you to achieve this?
2: Um, you know, I still actually can't believe it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard to believe. When you know, when I was writing, I thought, who's going to be interested in a novel about some bizarre custom in a small Southeast Asian country? So I was really writing more for myself. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of how books are marketed, I think this is something which is a subject of a lot of um, interest on in the part of authors and readers. I mean, the short answer is I think it's very variable. You, you never really know. I almost feel like, you know, nonfiction is a, I'm told, a different kind of market because there mm-hmm. are certain books which tend to do well, you know, like, yes. you know, cookbooks, diet books, exercise, et cetera. Fiction to me seems like a highly emotional sort of animal, you know, and that's, you know, you see a book, you love it. There are books that I adore, you know, and books that I found, I think, why hasn't everybody heard of yes. this book yet? And yes. I think that's what seizes you know, book lovers and readers. You find a book that you like. And still yet, you know, I, I really don't know how some books um get picked up more easily than others. Possibly a publisher would know. But I do know that for example, um, let's say you got a giant advance, you know, or you're like Bill Clinton's memoirs, then that book yes. will probably get a lot of marketing. In other cases, (laughs) for debut novels or unknown people like me, um, I feel that I was just uh, lucky in some Mm ways that people thought it was a subject that was interesting to them. They picked it up, and I do think that if you um, have, it also depends on how much your publisher likes it. You know, Mm -hmm. if your publisher happens to say, "Hey, this is a book I really like," then they might shop it more. Like they'll go and ask, like you know, ask it for it to be reviewed or submit it in various places. So it's really a um, it, it's hard to say. Do you? Did you find? Do you have a
0: daily writing routine? Do you find that helps you, or what is your writing routine? <laughs> <laughs> this
2: is so unglamorous. But mm-hmm. I write on. I sit on the floor in front of this coffee table. You know, at one point I had an office, but my children took it over because they they needed some, some bigger area to build their Lego spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> so I relegated to this this coffee table on the corner of the room, and I sit on the floor and I write. Um, and then most of the time I spend sort of rolling around the floor because, as I said, I write very slowly. <laughs> I do try to write in in the mornings, but I think, and and like I said, there are many other people who are wonderful, prolific writers. Um, and my husband has told me things like, did you know that so-and-so produces, you know, a thousand words a day? So um, I, I find that for me the creative process takes a certain amount of time. I need uh some blank space to start thinking of things. And so I write a bit and then I'll sort of, you know, potter down and make myself a sandwich. Um weight gain is unfortunately a side effect of writing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could count walking to the fridge as exercise, I suppose.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think was the best advice you've ever received about writing?
2: Um about writing. Well, you know, some people have said you should do it every day, and I think that's a good practice because even if you're producing something which is, you know, which you don't feel is good, at least you're writing. So, writing is sort of like a muscle. There's mm-hmm. lots and lots of people who say, I'm writing the great American novel. Uh, but <laughs> yes. I wonder if you talk to them, how many of them are actually writing every day? So, I'd say yes. that's a great idea. Um, and the other thing which I've found helps me is to tell myself, Oh, well, I should write, try to hit a word count a day. And for me, it's rather low. And for other people, it's high. For me, it's like a couple Mm -hmm. hundred words, or maybe 500, or if I'm inspired, a thousand. It depends on where in the book I am. But the caveat, I should say, is that I tend to be, uh, you know, by the seat of your pants writer, um, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't actually recommend quite anyway. <laughs> but but I have friends, author friends wonderful author friends who are um much more uh organized and I don't know. have you seen photographs of j k. Rowling's notebooks for the Harry Potter series? Yes, yes, yeah, they're absolutely amazing, right. So, if you're all these things, so if you happen to be more organized, then you can put more structure to your writing. So, I do also have friends who say, Look, I've got all my whole novel plotted out on post its on the mantelpiece, and today I'm writing chapter seven. So, you know, so Mm -hmm. that's great. If you can do that, that's wonderful.
0: You know, I always like to ask my guests if you were given the gift of time travel and you could approach your early writer self with some sage advice just as you had begun to write the ghost bride what advice would you give her
2: <laughs> well i would have gone a little further back eight years earlier to stop writing that novel by elephants so <laughs> 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 well i mean as, as i said i wrote this really terrible novel about this elephant detective and the ghost bride came out of it It was one of the sub stories Oh, um, that's interesting on the other hand you know it's worth it just write what you need to yes. write um what i um tell people is write what you think is truly interesting you know mm-hmm. deeply meaningful to you even if it's bizarre to other people so when i was younger in my 20s i actually wrote a lot of short stories and mm-hmm. um and i remember asking when my mom was reading one and she said actually she said i don't think you're really old enough to write this story and at the oh. time, of course, I was completely insulted. i was like, "Mom, of course I can write as a fifty-year-old man." <laughs> <Which> I <couldn't. laughs> and I, and, but it really struck me that um, I was writing in a style which I admired because there are a lot of short story mm. writers which I admire. Yeah. And in some ways, I think all writers go through that—you sort of stretch yourself and you. We do. Yeah, you feel yeah. inspired. You know, go ahead and write that gothic romance that you've always wanted to write. Um, just, i just—I would say—just get it out and keep writing. And don't give up. And write what truly interests you. So after trying to write these sort of high-minded literary stories about, you know, um, angst in the suburbs or whatever, Mm -hmm. I just thought, I'm just going to write things that I find interesting, including these bizarre practices of, you know, marrying the dead. Um, And when you, I think, are deeply interested in what you are writing, it comes across to the reader. Yes.
0: Yes. You know when it came time for your book to become an audio book, which is exciting in and of itself, you wrote a blog about actually having to audition to read
2: it yourself how oh, yes. what what happened there? What was this process? <laughs> well, so you know as I said, I was a complete newbie. I'm very ignorant about things which is which I think is fine because you know the internet will tell you lots of stuff too um And they had said, my publisher said, oh, you know, by the way, we're going to make an audio book of your book. And I said, hooray, great. And then I started worrying because um, my book is set in Malaysia, which is a multi-ethnic country, and there's bits and bobs of different things, like there's Chinese, there's Cantonese in there, there's some Hainanese, there's some, you know, they're Malay words. And I thought whoever reads this had better pronounce it right, otherwise all my friends and relatives in Malaysia are going to kill me. So then I had asked them, <laughs> I said, um, you know, who's going to read this book? And they said, usually for fiction, they'll get an actor. In fiction books are quite often read by authors, but for fiction, mm-hmm. they prefer actors. And, they, and I said, um, you know, could I read my book? And then they yes. said, well, we'll have to test you. And so at that point in time, I happened to be in New York, and I was visiting my publisher for the first time, um, which was absolutely awe-inspiring. I sort of wanted to run up and touch everything in their office, but... <laughs> <laughs> and then they said, well, look, why don't you come by? We'll do a studio test. And then mm-hmm. they did one to make sure that, you know, it wasn't going to be really terrible. And then they said, okay, fine, sounds great. You can go ahead and read it. And so I did. And it was actually one of the most um, wonderful and fun in- experiences of my life. Oh,
0: I love that. And I I downloaded the audio book, and it is it's stunning it's beautiful to have it told in your voice and it's just one of those dreamy sort of books that you kind of get lost in is there anything else you're currently
2: working on um well i'm sad to say that i'm working on another giant novel which which has far exceeded my word count and i'm um I've been long in writing it, um, but I'm excited about it. It's another strange story um, mm-hmm. set in colonial Malaya, um, this time in the 1930s when they actually had electricity. Um, and actually, writing historical fiction is interesting because when you get to a time that's closer to ours, you have to be more accurate. You mm-hmm. know, or were they wearing this or this kind of clothing, etc. It's really interesting, um, perhaps to nerdy people like me. <laughs> but, and so, <laughs> writing that, and it's you know, once again, it's. What I would classify as a strange tale—you know, dead people, weird tigers—you know, women who put gold needles in their faces—full um, of Southeast Asian superstition, and oh,
1: it's—it's
2: um, it. it's a once again, it's sort of a murder mystery because I'm a big fan of murder mysteries.
0: Well, yes, and you wrote it so well in *The Ghost Bride* because it was—it was really sort of like uh, it was a, it was kind of like crossover genres in a way because you know. <laughs> it was just and i couldn't stop reading it i mean i have gifted this book to so many people because i'm like you have to read this it's just so unexpected and there's just so much beauty in the ritual and i'm really excited to see what comes next for you too
2: oh thank you very much and by the way i realized later that crossover um is not always a good thing
0: yes it's when, very when, rare when and you your book, you became um, New York Times bestseller. <laughs> uh, well, well,
2: well, thank you. But um, I would say that I did not know this when I started, and maybe I should have thought about it more, but it's hard for people to sell your book if it crosses genres. They like to oh, know, okay. like, which segment are we yes. marketing it to. And, you know, when we spoke earlier about agents, et cetera, I realized, and, you know, as I said, I feel very grateful and appreciated that I was able to talk to uh, a number of agents about this book. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because every agent has – their own idea of what your book should be like, where it should go. you know. So some of them said, I'm going to pitch this as a historical um, novel. And someone else said, oh, no, this is, this is so much about the dead and the ghost world. This is fantasy. And I could imagine that it could have gone many different ways. As you can imagine mm-hmm. how books are marketed, like the cover Absolutely. art, et cetera. So it really makes a difference how your book is pitched. Absolutely. Well, Yangshi, you've been
0: such a wealth of information, and I just want to thank you so much for being here today. This has been such a fun chat.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure <laughs> and an honor.
0: Excellent. Yangshi Chu can be found online at ys to C H O O. Her book, The Ghost Bride, can be purchased online and in bookstores near you. Please do make sure you order your copy and one for a friend. And leave a review on Amazon and Goodreads because this helps all of our authors. Join us next time on Literary Speaking for more tips and tricks on how to get your work published as we speak with Krista Paravani Swoford, best selling author of the memoir her. Visit com and sign up for my newsletter to receive updates and bonus Q&A material from our guests. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's Crystal Quibel, Quibell, Q U I B E L L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.